Trick or treat. Treat. A special Halloween episode of the Backstage Show. I'm Jim, and today, this is a little unusual because it's not Monday. It is, in fact, Halloween. Yes, which is Wednesday? Tuesday? It is Wednesday. <laughs> so you are getting a special treat this week by getting two episodes in one week. I mean, it's no full-size Snickers bar, but, you know, we do what we can. You're going to make me hungry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> anyway, so because we had more things to talk about related to theatrical superstitions, we figured, well, why not? create a special bonus episode to continue that conversation why not seems appropriate for the holiday indeed so a couple things that we didn't really have time for in the last episode that we'll get into we'll start out with uh some discussions related to ghosts and spirits associated with theater oh sorry that that was me yeah don't be afraid yeah (laughs) i know it's a spooky halloween day or I'm assuming it's a spooky Halloween day or night, depending on when you listen to this. Or it might just be a normal day if you're listening to this at work, like every other day. Yes. But anyway, yes. So uh, ghosts uh, have a very long connection to theater. Is that so? It, in fact, is so. You can actually trace it all the way back to the person who is considered the first ever actor. Right. The first person to be on stage portraying somebody other than himself. Right. And that would be Thespis. And... I'm sure you can figure this out by now. That is where the term thespian came from. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, as as Jim said, it's the first actor who's... It's considered the first actor who ever played a role other than himself. And there is apparently a specific day where the ghost of Thespis haunts shows. And what day is that? That is November 23rd. So that's coming up. Watch out. Yeah. Yeah, and allegedly the ghost of Thespis comes around, haunts public performances, causes mischief and mayhem. Are there any specific examples of the kinds of mayhem that Thespis may cause? I, in fact, could not find any. Okay. <laughs> this is so, one of those weird things. I, so this is just a bunch of hearsay. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> So having just done a little bit of research, we determined that it is November 23rd is the day because that was the day supposedly in the year 534 BC where Thespis made his debut as the character Dionysus. So that was the first public performance. Indeed, as a character, as a different character. So that's when he comes back every year. Ooh. Ooh. Watch out. Now, usually it's around Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Calendar, so there's probably so not even there's not even a lot of performances on that. No, I, I tend to think that they might actually be even holiday shows. Yeah. So if your holiday country. show is cursed, now you know why. Yeah. I'm I also mean, wondering too, with the calendar probably having been different at that time, you know, what day that actually translates to now. Well, I'll tell you this much, it wasn't Thanksgiving. True. <laughs> And that's not even an issue in, <laughs> in, in uh, uh, where, where was that? Uh, Athens, I assume, is where... Uh, right? uh, was well, he was from Acaria, apparently. Okay. Still Greece. It's all Greek to me. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. It's all Greece to me. Yeah. So uh, in addition to the ghost of Thespis, there's a, like almost every theater I've worked in, if not every theater, has some stories of a resident ghost. Yeah, we have talked about that before. We mentioned Slats, the village player ghost, mm-hmm. the village player's ghost. 
I think we alluded to something at Barley Yeah, Shade. I know there is a ghost, but I, I, I'm not, you know, despite being a somewhat superstitious person, I'm not big on the whole ghost thing, so I cannot remember the name of the ghost, although I have had encounters that could be attributed hmm. to said ghost. I was talking about the uh, the mirror breaking when I was working on the, the set by myself, uh, doing something up downstage, and then a mirror fell somewhere backstage. So, yeah, people, when I told them that, they attributed it to the ghost. That's, that kind of crosses a different line from superstitious to, you know, the supernatural. Like the paranormal, yes. Yes. But uh, that is also where the whole ghost light came from. Yeah. So that's funny because I'm not sure that I, I, I don't recall specifically if I've ever, if I've ever worked at a theater that actively used a ghost light. Barley Sheaf uses one. I'm pretty sure the barn uses one. And that's uh, an issue of practicality because when you walk into Barley Sheaf, it's very, very dark. And a lot of these theaters have their windows boarded up so that it's dark enough to perform a production. Right. Even in daytime because they do matinee performances. Well, that makes more practical sense than anything else. Now, some of them you walk in and there's a light switch nearby or whatever. So, yeah, actually, I don't think the barn does use one. I I can't remember. I I know Barley Sheaf does, and it's literally just... uh, one of those adapters where it's a light socket that plugs directly into the wall. So there's, you're just plugging a light bulb into the wall. That's the ghost light there. <laughs> okay. But in other cases, I think ghost lights have traditionally been on a stand on a pole, that's yeah. brought out on stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is the more traditional ghost light. And, and right. like you, I have not encountered a uh, historically traditional ghost light. Right. Now, uh, another kind of a more of a practicality associated with a ghost light that I read about was that's kind of... For, for paying theater, at least, that mm-hmm. was kind of more of an indication of you know, the stage manager brings the ghost light on stage, and that's when the actors know they're off the clock, effectively. Okay. I, I think uh, also historically, when it was uh, oil lamps and that sort of thing, before there was electricity with it, it's easier to keep that running than to relight it. So I think that was mm. another reason that the ghost light was used. But there has been attributed to it the actual um, attraction or pleasing of spirits in the yeah that's the one it. thing i never really understood as to why it was called a ghost light is it supposed to keep the ghosts away is it supposed to keep the ghosts happy is it drawing them there i think it was more associated with keeping them happy okay that was the sense that i got now why would a light keep a ghost happy i don't know unless they're afraid a, of the dark is it, or if it's the ghost of a moth perhaps <laughs> who knows yeah that's just a weird origin don't really understand that one myself mm-hmm now, I mean, I know it's only about a couple minutes into this, but are we ready to jump to the big one? Ooh, the big one. Yeah, Macbeth. And I'm saying it now, so I hope you're not listening to this in the theater. Is Well, geez, is that even a <laughs> I problem? Don't, I don't know. And That's it's interesting question. because... We're, uh, we're still not in a theater. Yes, we're still not in a theater, so we're going to say Macbeth with abandon. Macbeth, but... Macbeth, Macbeth. It's hard, hard to say. It really is hard to say three times fast. So I do remember one time uh, somebody actually put in to direct Macbeth at Barley Sheaf. And as we've discussed, we have our, our membership meeting at the theater, and that's when we vote on shows. I can only so, imagine how humorous that must have been to talk about Well, so, so few that show. Well, so few people actually hold to that superstition. I am one of them. And I mean, I, it didn't really bother me because it wasn't in the context of a production. It was in the context of a meeting. So what's going to go wrong with that, you know? I don't know. You seemed a little uh, annoyed when we were having our interview in a theater and it was mentioned. Well, I, I mean, again, it, it makes me uncomfortable, and it certainly did during the other meeting as well, but 
it's not affecting my production. Right. Oh, it's somebody else's problem. It's fine. Yes, it's somebody else's problem. <laughs> well, I mean, and if they don't believe in that, then I'm going to honor that. Just like I, I hope when I direct that people will honor mine. And I know there have been occurrences where that hasn't happened. Yeah. I don't think of myself as particularly superstitious, but I will respect other people's yeah. observance of superstitions if they, because I, you know, more than anything else, I would say that I don't want to throw them off. Right. And that can certainly do that. Um, and, and I think that is, you know, surrounding other superstitions, that is just a matter of you don't want to disturb other actors' processes. Right. Because you can, it's kind of almost, you know, like in anything else, uh, sports or any other, mm-hmm. anything really, you can get into somebody's head and just right. throw them off and it affects their performance. Yeah. A lot of uh, uh, players in sports are superstitious as well. So, oh, yeah. 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 Well, I think for very similar reasons. Uh huh. So, yeah, so Macbeth, uh, in case you're not aware, bad luck to say Macbeth in a theater. You were supposed to say the Scottish play. And just for clarity, is that even if you are doing a production of Macbeth? If you're doing a production of Macbeth, you have to say, there's no way around it. So I think that's why, you know, Lord, when we get Lord to and examples. Lady so-and-so. Yeah, Lady, Lady Scottish play. Yeah, <laughs> it really doesn't work too well to, the, the, to do I've, that. I was reading that they... If they're talking about the character, maybe outside of the context of a production of it, the character, they'll call him the mm-hmm. Scottish Lord or the Scottish King okay. and the Scottish Lady. Mm-hmm. Not even say their characters' names. Wow. Yeah. But I mean, when you're doing an actual production of it, there's just no way around it. The other amusing side anecdote is uh, I, I do some home brewing. And at one point, or actually several points, because I've made this more than once, I made a uh, a Scottish ale which is a, a type of beer. It's actually a wee heavy that I brewed. It's quite tasty. And I named it Macbeth's Wee Heavy. And when I made the label for it, I had please refer to in theaters as the Scottish beer. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, so okay. I have to ask you this. Yes. Because we were talking about your play Superstition in the last episode. How did uh-huh. you personally reconcile having those character names, Mac and Beth, within your script? I mean, well, they're, they're never... It's not. The, I so, think, except for the very end, yeah. which is done for effect. It's kind of the playoff. They're never said together. Yeah, because I, I, I think, I, I forget. Like one of the characters is going by a goes by a different name, and I don't remember who, which one that is. To be honest, I, I, I should have reread my own script. But yeah, <laughs> so one of them is going by, a, you know, a different name or a nickname, or she might be going by Elizabeth during the the script, and then it's at the end when they're calling them in for the audition. Somebody off stage just shouts Mac Beth. <laughs> so that's the big, you know, the finishing gag, ha ha. Right. Um, but yeah, to me, I had no problem reconciling that because they're not saying Macbeth, they're saying Macbeth. Okay. So it's two, it's two names. But clearly, you're doing it for that effect. Yes, I am doing it for that effect. You're uh, flirting but, I mean, with there's disaster. Also, but when the first character walks out, she's doing all these other superstitious things that that I avoid, like walking. She walks in under a ladder. She opens an umbrella over her head. She spills salt. She does all of this other stuff. Right. So. I enjoyed the play, not to inflate Glenn's ego or anything, but I enjoyed the play. It It was poignant. Seems to be uh, well-received, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And I had nothing to do with it. Yeah, it's actually kind of interesting, and this is sidetrack, but it's actually a friend of mine who uh, is originally British, or I guess she technically still is British, but she's living in this country, so she still has an accent, and she was uh, mourning how there's so few parts for just, you know, good parts for a young British woman. And so I jokingly said, oh, I'll write you a one act. And I actually wrote that over a Thanksgiving break. <laughs> and, and yeah. So anyway, and I always, I had that idea for quite a while. The idea was just two people going in for an audition named Mac and Beth. And that was it. Mm-hmm. 
and I expanded on that. Anywho, so we're talking about the curse, so let's talk about the origins of the curse and see yes. where this all comes from. Well, the play itself originated from, what, the early 17th century? I believe so, I don't yes. remember exactly which year it was first produced. Mm-hmm. And I'm not looking it up. <laughs> <laughs> we can avoid that one. I'm, I'm taking a stand, but we'll say early 17th century. No, so Shakespeare play, uh, obviously. So there, there's there's two viewpoints of this. There's the one of believers and the one of non-believers. Now, honestly, I fall into the non-believer camp, even though I do kind of abide by the curse. Okay. So the non-believer camp basically just says, well, this is a play that's done frequently. There's a lot of stage violence, and whether right. it's, you know, sometimes they'll use real swords, sometimes, you know, preferably they'll use fake ones. <laughs> but it's just because of everything that's going on and the fact that it's frequently done, well, accidents are bound to happen, and it's just gotten to a point where people just point to this so often. And it's not that accidents don't happen in other plays, but they can go, okay, well, here's a whole bunch of examples of accidents occurring during productions of Macbeth, so it must be cursed. Right. And that's pretty much what I the the belief that I hold. It, it makes sense statistically speaking, and yeah. it's you know it's been around for you know several hundred years yeah. at this point. So, but I mean, even now, by its could, age, just by virtue of its age, it's more likely to have mishaps. Right, and the fact that it is uh, at least parts of it are action based. I mean, you're unlikely to point to say a Neil Simon play and say it's cursed because you know there's not much <laughs> chance for injury during the Odd Couple. <laughs> I don't bad know. vacuum cleaner accident. <laughs> I don't know. If your head happens to be in the way when he throws that plate of spaghetti, you're in trouble. Yeah, I suppose so. Now it's garbage. <laughs> so the believer's side of things uh, comes down to Act 1, Scene 3, which is the uh, witch's incantation. Now, whether this is you know true or not, obviously we can't tell because it's so long ago. And we don't know any real witches. No, we don't know any real witches, and we can't we interview. Of. We can't interview Shakespeare uh, short of a seance. But <laughs> that could be fun. Uh, yeah. Next episode. <laughs> Next episode, we'll be contacting Shakespeare. <laughs> Next Halloween, that's what we'll do. Ooh. Um, Got to raise the stakes. Yes. Um, so the thought is that this is not in fact derived from Shakespeare's imagination, but is a real witch's incantation. Right. And I think I had read that there were a couple different versions of it. Mm-hmm. There, there's yeah, I've some that theory well. that there was a draft version of it and then he changed it for the actual performed version that we know today, whether one was more fictitious than the other, mm-hmm. whether he actually consulted witches to, yeah. we can't know and we'll never know No, but there's some association with the thought that what's actually said on stage is really part of, you know, a, a curse. Yes. Actually, I think I had read that if there was consultation from actual witches, that mm-hmm. they may have intentionally put in a curse to... So they may have cursed the play. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But you kind of got to wonder, like, what was this curse supposed to do? Is it just supposed to, like, cause accidents and injuries to the people involved? Good question. I, who yeah. knows what the motive might have been? Yeah. Here's a weird conspiracy theory, too, that I came across mm-hmm. that he wrote it a certain way such that, you know, if it were really curse related, that other directors less than the know would mess it up hmm. and something bad would happen. But he would be able to direct it because he would know how to handle it properly. That's interesting. Kind and of I, have, I, I haven't read, but I mean, even right from the first performance of this, there are accidents. There, there was... The first performance, which was in 1606. Hey, early 17th century. What yeah. do you know? There you go. <laughs> so the the actor who was playing Lady Macbeth died the day before opening. 
Well, so people we're died a, a lot back then. Yeah, this is true, but we're off to a running start. You know, if you want to back up that curse, it's, you know, very first performance. Right, right right at the outset. Yeah, and I actually read somewhere that, that said that Shakespeare himself had to step into the role, but I'm not sure. Like, I, I only saw that in one source, and I'm not sure I believe that one. Well, I'm, it could very well have happened at yeah. some point. I mean, it's certainly possible, but yeah, so that was 1606, first performance, Lady Macbeth, dead. Wow. So that's something. I mean, you're doomed. Yeah, I mean, you go Somebody on. Somebody probably from wished that. him good luck. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but you go on from that. There's a there's a ton of examples of of problems happening in Macbeth. I mean, the next one I've got listed is not until 1849. Before you get there, I'm just okay. wondering since you know there were fire or there was at least a big fire at the Globe that it burnt down. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what production that was associated with. I don't know either. I wonder if it was another Macbeth. <laughs> Who knows? Mm, the mystery thickens, <laughs> or the plot thickens. The mystery deepens what do mysteries do do they deepen do they thicken we don't know well anyway that's your homework assignment there you go 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 find out what the uh, globe theater was putting on when they burned down yes and you can let us know uh you can send us an email at podcast at backstage.link that's right we forgot to mention that last time yeah hopefully they know by now anyway (laughs) so yeah so back to 1849 so uh that was a performance at the astor place opera house in new york and that performance was apparently so popular it was followed by a riot (laughs) And more than 30 people died in the riot after that performance. Okay, that's pretty messed up. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I could not figure out what caused the riot. Did the riot have to do with the show, or was it just a coincidence? I, I don't know. I don't know that one. Weird. Yeah, I, it's definitely weird. But uh, the, That show is so bloody awful, we want our money back. Yeah, and I, I also couldn't find out whether any of the actors were actually involved and whether they were any of the 30 people killed. Good question. Yeah. So moving on from there, we get to uh, 1926, and that was during a performance of that, a uh, an actor actually attempted to strangle Lady Macbeth during a performance. Well, we know actors are a little bit not quite all there, but <laughs> yeah, this just that just for some reason made me think of an old Cheers episode where uh, Diane is playing. I think it's in Othello. She's playing Othello's wife, and okay. somebody is choking her, and they're going, that's a great performance. <laughs> it's not acting. Yeah. Anyway, now we can get into like more modern times with stuff that's more easily traced, like uh, 1937, Laurence Olivier. Sir Laurence Olivier. The Sir late Lawrence. Sir Laurence Olivier. Yes, the late Sir Laurence. Didn't die during uh, production of Macbeth. No, he lasted a good while longer than that. Yes, but he was, however, nearly killed as he was nearly crushed by a falling weight was, on the stage. He was probably whistling backstage. There you go. Or, I mean, it's just... Was he whistling backstage, or was it just because he was in Macbeth? We will never know. Oh, well, that's a double whammy. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> also, the, he was looking out from behind the curtain leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all the stuff. <laughs> Somebody wished him good luck before he went out. Yeah, gave him flowers, yeah. too. He walked in under a uh, ladder. And he was wearing blue. Yes. With peacock feathers <laughs> in his hat. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> so the, that wasn't the only disaster during the 1937 production. They were also, for some reason, using real swords in that production. Why on earth I don't would know. you do that? Never a good idea, but apparently during one performance... The tip of one of the swords broke off, so I guess they weren't quality real swords. Yeah, it's still dangerous. Yeah, so the tip of the sword broke off, flew into the audience, nearly hit an audience member, and that audience member had a heart attack. And died? You know, I (laughs) I didn't find out whether or not he died. Well, I'd probably have a heart attack, too, if a piece of... Uh, yeah i would think so and if i were that age but i mean this is also one of those things like yeah it's an accident that happened maybe this guy had a bad heart might have had a heart attack anyway 
He had a big greasy dinner somewhere. Who knows? <laughs> nice juicy steak yeah. at the uh, the Astor place. So we can move forward from there into 1942 with Sir John Gilgood. During that production, there were three unexplained actor deaths. Died, okay. Died under mysterious circumstances. Not all at once, I assume, just over the course of the run. Over the course of the run, yes. And uh, on They top do of come that, in threes, don't they? See, they do come in threes, but this one had a fourth because the costume designer on opening night committed suicide. Okay. Well, <laughs> whether that's related to a curse or not. Y- you have no idea? I mean, I it's... think some people, especially people in the performing arts, occasionally can be a little bit uh, unhinged. I know we are. Yeah. <laughs> No, and I mean, I'm sure just the mounting pressure of a professional production being the costume designer, I'm sure they were under a lot of pressure, but you'd think by the time they hit opening night, that might ease somewhat. Regardless, who knows? But hey, involve you design costumes for Macbeth, you might kill yourself. Very I don't. Odd. I don't mean to downplay suicide, of course. This is a very serious issue, and clearly this person had problems aside of any production and aside of any curse. But again, interesting coincidence. Interesting story, at any rate. Mm-hmm. Then we can move forward another five years to 1947, and a young actor named Harold Norman was apparently stabbed by another actor in his dressing room. Again, over- another unhinged actor. Yeah, but this apparently, person. interestingly, this was apparently over an argument about saying Macbeth. Apparently, I, I guess he was okay. running running lines or something back there, and the other actor was upset about it. I, I don't. I, I couldn't get the quite detailed well that would seem to run counter the thought that if you are doing a production of macbeth that mm-hmm. yeah that okay you can say, say the word. i don't know i guess because he was running his lines and it wasn't like something he had to do that the other actor got upset i i don't know wow. and this might have just been a rumor that that's what caused the argument okay. regardless well in that was, case people take these superstitions very seriously some people do so he was stabbed in the dressing room but he still went on because the show must go on but apparently he's got a death scene and he's supposed to die on stage. But instead of dying on stage, he drags himself into the wings and whispers to the stage manager, I've been stabbed. <laughs> so from there, he was taken to the hospital. And a month later, he died. That's just incredible. The show is not short, as I recall. No. So it's a lot to get stabbed before it opens presumably when he was running his lines I'm I, th- just I don't I don't think it was before the show I think it was uh between scenes oh okay yeah, well so. still yeah still to, uh, I, I mean he's got to at least go out and do a whole scene before he gets stabbed so yeah or, or killed on stage so yeah I don't know are we sure the guy just wasn't his understudy and really wanted to get get on stage to be his role who knows I mean it's just a crazy story it's anyway cutthroat business it. yeah I mean this would be a, that would be an interesting story Aside from the Macbeth connection. Yeah. So from there... So a few yeah. uh, more, couple recent, more recent examples. Mm-hmm. Um, 1953 production with Charlton Heston. Yes. Had a, he had a motorcycle accident during rehearsal. Yep. Which, you know, people have motorcycle accidents. It's yeah, not I mean, that motorcycles unusual. are quite dangerous. So, I, you know, connecting that to the Macbeth curse is maybe a stretch, but it's maybe a stretch with all of these. I think that one probably is. But the mm-hmm. weird one is the next thing, which is that his tights mm-hmm. caused his legs to get burned during a performance because apparently they were mysteriously soaked in kerosene. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, you got to clean them. So that, that's... Well, I was, I was thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, you kind of wonder how that happened and how they didn't notice. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I, this, I don't know the truth to this, but mm-hmm. the thought about cleaning, like, chaps, like skin chaps or fur chap, right. fur-lined chaps with you know, uh, uh, petroleum-based solvent. Mm-hmm. 
I, I don't know if that really would have been a thing to use for cleaning tights. It doesn't seem like that would make sense for tights. I tried to look it up, but yeah. anything I came across said how to wash kerosene out of your clothes. Yeah, which which apparently they should have done for Charlton Heston. Yeah, and you know to wear tights, uh, you know having tights, I can't imagine needing any sort of bizarre solvent to clean. No, them. no, it doesn't make any sense to me. But that is very bizarre. Yeah, that would have happened certainly. And another more recent example featured Kelsey Grammer in the role of Macbeth. I kind of remember this one. And I don't remember exactly what year this was. Fairly recently, I believe it was. But apparently he got injured during a performance, Mm -hmm. broke a leg or broke a leg. Yeah, break a leg. (laughs) Took a little too literally. And then continued the run, I guess, sitting sitting down most of the time, possibly behind like a desk or table of some kind and requiring a, a fight double to do the fight scenes crazy i mean how do you like how would that be as an audience member how is that gonna flow to have him sitting down and then a double in for fight (laughs) scenes like i can't imagine that would have been much good to watch but i guess it's like damn this curse we're getting this show done well i mean by that point probably figure he's a name actor and depending on when it happened during the production yeah they wanted to keep the name actor and still keep him involved somehow and keep people coming to probably yeah, you gotta, already you gotta wonder to if at, at that point you might as well just bring in a uh, an understudy there well they partially did i guess to handle the, the right because clearly scenes. he was no in no position because yep. he couldn't stand up mm-hmm. uh to be able to do it and then they think of all they had to do with reblocking everything yeah it's crazy but i mean you know there's there's a ton of examples and i'm sure there's more out there that we haven't even covered but yeah it's, it's a lot out there and i've had my experiences with it as well but there are ways, supposedly, to counteract this curse once somebody does say Macbeth in the theater. Yes. Now, the one that I had always heard was that you're supposed to turn around three times and spit. Okay. And in doing my research, I also heard about that you're supposed to go outside of the theater, run around the theater, and then knock to be let back in. And adding to that one, I have read that you're also either supposed to say some curse or say, a line from a, diff- a different Shakespearean line. Mm, like a counter curse. Kind of, yeah. Mm. Was, what's the one about uh, if we have offended? I'm drawing a blank on it right now. Uh, spirits, if we have offended. That's the, the one, yeah, yes. Yeah, interesting. And uh, the other stuff that I had read seemed to be like some sort of combination of the turn around three times and run around the theater. Because I, I read like run around the theater three times or go outside the theater and spit and then knock to be let back in. It's just, a, yeah, I mean... There's a lot of counteracting things. I, I've gone with the turnaround three times and spit when I have encountered somebody saying Macbeth. Because I do honor this curse, whether I entirely believe in it or not. Interesting. Another counteraction method I was reading about mm-hmm. didn't involve actually leading, leaving the theater. You would actually uh, do this uh, counteraction in front of the cast on stage. Mm-hmm. You'd spin around on stage 11 times. 11 times. Wow, you get dizzy with that one. It goes up to 11. <laughs> And apologize to Dionysus. Okay. If you're still on stage, I don't know. Yeah, all sorts of different ways to do this, and I have had. I'm not actors... quite sure what that has to do with the Shakespearean curse. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I guess but... it's just a general counteracting a curse. I mean, really, what does turning around three times and spitting have to do with? I guess do the three, hokey pokey I mean, and turn yourself around. Right. The three makes sense to me. You know, three witches. It's the whole rule yeah, of three yeah. thing. But yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean. It, it's something that I've heard, so it's something that I have made my actors do when I've directed, and I've also had some actors that didn't believe that subsequently did. I have two 
run-ins, I guess, with the Macbeth curse that, that come to mind. Okay. I have one, which is uh, an early show I did. I did a production of Twelfth Night, where the director, who very staunchly does not believe in the Macbeth curse, said something about said something about this during a rehearsal and said Macbeth while we were in the theater. The following weekend, one of the lead actresses became sick and could not go on, and he ended up having to step into her role. Now, <laughs> he just chalks it up as coincidence, which is fine. I mean, it's his show. He's well, what, directing. What time of the year was it? Uh, I think it was winter. Well, so, I mean, you know, it's time when colds go around. Yep. It, it happens, but, I mean, usually the actors are not so sick that they can't even go on stage. I don't know if she had the flu or what it was, but... Yeah, it was interesting, uh, and and he had less than a week and managed to memorize a large Shakespeare role in less than a week. So, you know, God bless him. He's definitely a, a good director, good actor. And if he wants to see Macbeth in a theater when he's directing a show, it's certainly his business. But it seems maybe that's his way to get roles. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm gonna curse you so I can step <laughs> in. There. So yeah, he did a good job filling in for the one week, but that happened. Another one was uh, a show that I was directing where one of the actors said Macbeth and and laughed it off and thought it was nothing. And I tried to get him to, you know, do one of the counteracting things, but he wouldn't do it. And performances, most of the performances of the show, I'm not even going to name the actor or the, or the show because a lot of the performances of this one kind of went bad. I've probably talked about it in other episodes and I may have even named the show in other episodes, but there were a lot of lines forgotten, a lot of jumping around, a lot of that kind of stuff. And then after that performance went through, he pretty much said, I will never say Macbeth in a theater again. So, Oh, I just did. Yeah. Ah! Uh, no, I said it again. <laughs> <laughs> I think I first heard about it probably in college, if I'm remembering mm-hmm. correctly, but I've definitely encountered people who've taken it very seriously. And I just try to respect that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't take, take it, it re- seriously. I don't like. I don't necessarily believe that it's curse. It's more of a superstition thing for me that I think it's just kind of bad luck. That that to me is a little different than like actually believing that there's a curse on the play. I I, I just think I don't know. I, I'm somewhat superstitious. Since I've been in therapy, it probably won't bother me as much as it has in the past. <laughs> I had one show where I was in where somebody said it. And I, you know, again, I was just an actor in that, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna push anything. If I'm a director, I'll, I'll push the actors not to say it because it's my show and I, my show, my rules. <laughs> but this was another one that I was in. I think it was another Shakespeare production, but I got upset, or they found out that I got upset, so she put up a uh, a picture in the uh, dressing room uh, by my space in the dressing room. She put up a picture of I, I don't even remember what production. It was one of the movies of Macbeth and put up a picture up there with a with a little balloon that said say my name laddie say my name so yeah I mean I get teased about nice. it but speaking of that as no. far as I know the 1971 Roman Polanski film version of Macbeth mm-hmm. did not have any actual curses or mishaps associated there with you it go. however I think most people who were involved with it say it was a pretty miserable experience in general <laughs> that's a reason to call it cursed right there well I think Fairly miserable, given the conditions in which they were working, mm. as opposed to outright mishaps or accidents or right. curse-laden events is a different concept. Yeah, but I mean, let, let's face it. I'm sure there are hundreds, if not thousands, of productions of Macbeth where nothing bad has happened at all, and it was a perfectly fine production. Sure. I, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I think I've seen two different productions of it. And mm. One might have been at my high school, if I remember correctly. It was a visiting, uh, touring Okay. Theater company put it on, if, if I remember right. And then the other time was uh, in my college at Lehigh University. They put on a production of it. Mm-hmm. Anything? I, any disasters? Not that I recall or had heard about. And I think they did actually put in, there's the one scene with, I'm not sure if I'm going to say this right, Hecate. 
It could take. Okay. Yeah. That isn't always done, Mm -hmm. which I think some have felt that that having that scene or having excised that scene may have lessened the effects of the curse. Interesting. Hecate, I think. Hecate. Hecate. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That masters in English is paying off. (laughs) So anyway, you know, it's up to you whether or not you want to believe in any of this stuff. It's kind of interesting to delve into the history of it a bit and see what it's based on. But, you know, bottom line is we're here to have fun. And if superstitions are fun for you, then have at them. But hopefully what else is fun is uh, Halloween. Yes. And go out now. Enjoy your trick-or-treating. Send us some candy at Unless podcast at backstage.link. <laughs> Unless you're at 45 or something like that, which might be a little creepy if you still go yeah, out and that trick probably or treat. Then stay at home and give out the candy. Yeah. Or go out to a party or whatever. Yes. But if it's a Wednesday, there might not be any parties. Maybe not. Oh, well. Anyway, <laughs> I think that you means... can tune back in on Monday. We'll be back with a, our normal fresh schedule. episode and back to our normal theme and back to everything normal. Oh, but this has been so much fun. Right, let's do more Halloween episodes. Yay. So a year's worth of Halloween episodes. There you go. So uh, until then, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And thank you for joining us on this spooky edition of the Backstage Show. (laughs) (coughs) All right over there? Never been better. Great. We've recorded enough of these, we can just reuse them don't want to reuse them. <laughs> All right. I'm a professional, damn it. I don't, I don't know what the ooh was, but... I don't know. <laughs> There's our intro. That's it. All right. I'll, I'll leave that ooh for now. Whoa. Ooh. Plosives. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe let me read it first then okay. so I know what I'm yeah. talking about. <laughs> Sorry. So you can lay that up. Let's back that up. We'll delete that. All right. Let's pretend that never happened. <laughs> A spider. Ah! Black.